but we can talk about that later. We will get to this later, Brendan. We'll get to it later. I guess we'll get into it later. We'll get into it later. We'll get into it. We'll get to it when we get to episode five. Oh, we just have to, I'll save it for the end. We'll get to that. Welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and a regular guest, Kier Harris. How's everyone doing tonight? Um, I, I'm traumatized by the subject of tonight's podcast. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, yeah, well, everyone's probably aware by the title of this. It's going to be Life is Spoiled, and we are going to spoil the shit out of Life is Strange. This entire episode, big disclaimer right here. We're going to buy have- her a big car for a sweet 16 God nice cake it. to spoil the hell out of her. No, <laughs> but honestly, if you want to play the game and and don't want anything spoiled, this is the episode to skip. If you've enjoyed it and like like the game or have like controversial opinions of the game, like this is the one to tune in for. So we're gonna kind of dissect it episode by episode and just like basically talk about how much me and Kier loved it. And Bren's probably gonna play a little bit of a devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> I did very much enjoy it, but just not nearly as much as you guys. Yeah, um, I will say for anyone who is just listening to it and hasn't played, this is a very story heavy game. So it is very like dependent on spoilers and not hearing them. So I wouldn't play it for the gameplay like it's for the story. So real big warning on the spoilers. Yeah, exactly. If you hear them, it's just like you might as well. Like it's gonna ruin the game for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, fair warning, everyone. That you can feel free to skip this one. It's probably mainly gonna be just Life is Strange. But with that being said, let's just kind of dive right in. Hopefully, you guys can back me up because I'm not gonna know everything about the game because it was I played it as it came out, so it, it kind of got hazy as I went along. But episode <laughs> one, <laughs> but uh, episode one. That starts off with Max and, and everyone saying she's in high school. Is it high school or fucking college? Let's set the, the record straight here. It's definitely I, high school, but I it's like know, a private though, cause it's school. like, a, it's definitely an art type school. So it could be a private high school, I guess. Yeah. I think it has to be high school. One person I heard said that in one of the text messages later in the game, they mentioned that her mom texts her and says something about high school. So it must be, uh, from the perspective of Maxine Caulfield, a 12th grade student of the fictional Blackwell Academy. So okay. Senior, senior in high school. Okay, got it. Okay, because for some reason, as I was playing it, it seemed like it could be like a college setting. But regardless, you're Maxine Caulfield, this uh, girl in 12th grade, and she basically, I guess, lived elsewhere for... I guess five years of her life and then came back to this town that she previously had lived at where she had made all sorts of, well, not all sorts of friends, one specific friend. She had a best friend named Chloe. And in the five years of her being absent, like, I guess Chloe's life changed dramatically and Max wasn't there for her. So the story starts off with Max coming back to school. She's, you start off the game in class, uh, in your photography class, your, your professor Jefferson, is already saying some weird shit. I noticed it instantly. Did you guys? He says, 
oh, I could take any one of you and frame you in a dark corner or something. And he says something really awkward. And it was just like, as soon as I've started the game and heard him say that, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I realized, oh, it's a photography class. And that was like my justification for that, like really outrageous, like statement he just said. I was like, oh, he's just a photographer. It's artsy. He's able to say stuff like that. I think it was a pretty much not a dead giveaway, but a real, uh, a hint of foreshadowing towards Jefferson's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> now, see, I don't even remember the thing he said that you're talking about, but like, I, I definitely remember, like, I, at the start, I just dialed right into, oh, this is an art class that we're sitting in. And I was a little distracted by the fact that I had just been wandering through a hurricane beside a tornado towards a lighthouse that almost fell on me. So, like, yes. I wasn't really analyzing the classroom situation because most of my brain was like where the fuck was i two minutes ago yeah i failed to mention it starts off with that like just in your face like tornado <laughs> shit I, that you're I, I forgot all about that good point i failed to mention this huge plot device <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like talk about oh, foreshadowing okay, so so uh doug's not allowed to to create the premise right now yeah okay um, keep going <laughs> take over so, so the, the game starts and you're wandering through the forest in the middle of what looks like a hurricane and you're following this ghostly doe around for some fucking reason oh that my never god gets the symbolism and I, that never really gets explained and i have a problem with that but we can talk about that later well, okay let me just oh. jump in real quick with the fucking force symbolism of the doe it's everywhere and it drove me nuts like how much it was forced upon you like it's definitely everywhere for sure yeah yeah and it was unexplained absolutely well it's the idea of like innocence and she's uh young and naive like a doe like it you know can't really defend herself blah 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 like we will get to this later brendan okay sorry (laughs) yeah we have a lot to go so let's um, just anyways so you're you're following this doe through the the storm in the forest and you come around the corner and you're looking over the the bay that the town of Arcadia Bay sits on and there's just this huge fucking tornado coming towards the town. And you see a lighthouse up on the hill and you think you'll be safe at the lighthouse. So you work your way there and I can't remember does it like almost fall on you and that's when you wake up or Yeah, some something w- like the wind blows an object at you, I think. Like well, it's the about- top of the it's the top of the lighthouse falls on top of you. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then you instantly wake up and you're in Mr. Jefferson's photography class and you're like, what the yes. fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, Doug. I immediately, I, th- we'll get to it later, but there is a twist with Mr. Jefferson and I wasn't surprised by it because I immediately saw this guy as some sort of creep or at least something's happening behind the scenes that they don't tell us. So and many people have told me that, and I didn't think anything was weird about him. It me neither, me dude. By surprise. I completely gave him the benefit of the doubt. I nah. was like, oh, this poor guy, like, he's just a fucking photography teacher. Everyone's just like, he's at, like, a really fucked up school. I feel bad for the guy. So that's exactly how I went into the game, and that was horrible. And the worst thing is, I guess we'll get into it later. I'll save my, like, <laughs> foreshadowing towards Jefferson. Can I just but, say uh, we get a supercut of all the times we say, we'll get into it later, in just this episode? <laughs> Because we've already said it five times. God damn it. I definitely want a super cut of that. Just staple yeah. it at the end of the episode. Just I'll totally work on that. Everybody here saying that 15 times. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess b- before we move on from that, the last thing I wanted to say was I just I noticed he was a little weird, but I just attributed that to him being an eccentric artist. 
Uh, me too. That's what I mean. I had to justify it somehow, and I'm like, oh, that's just his personality. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of use that as an excuse, but he just, to me, screamed like the guy, like, "Hey, I, I'm the guy who went to college and I did pretty good on my own. Now I'm coming back to teach, and like, maybe I sleep with some of the high school girls. Like, he seemed like he'd be sleeping with some of the senior students who were like he technically was adults. Kind of too cool to be there, right? Yeah, and like yeah. all the all the girls were fawning over him, so it's like, ah, uh, he would take advantage of that. Yeah, I I believe it, and ugh, we'll get into it. Six. Damn it! It's a drinking <laughs> game. Take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But okay, so I guess where do we go from here? So after you experience your photography class, uh, you basically have the option to talk to Mister Jefferson about entering your photo your photograph for the Everyday Heroes contest, which is like wait I don't wait know, wait. Was- it, do we at this point learn that we have the ability to rewind time? Where oh, not no. That's not yet, I don't think. No, not yet. Okay, so what happens is you you talk to the teacher, you go out into the hallway, and in the hallway it's like kind of like a long drawn out like scene with like music. The music's pleasant, but like not my favorite. But regardless, it you go through the hallway, you get you can look at different uh high school students and see like get Max's like mental opinions of them and stuff, and then some of them you can even go up to and talk, I believe. But eventually you have to navigate to the girls' bathroom, which I guess they said that's what you were supposed to do, and I wasn't... The first time I played the game, I was, like, walking around for a half hour being like, where the fuck do I go? And I couldn't even find the guy. <laughs> I totally bathroom, didn't so. catch that either. I just eventually stumbled into the bathroom while I was exploring. Uh, so I was totally an idiot that my first playthrough. I was like, god damn, it took me forever to find that bathroom. I eventually get into the place. She's, like, uh, uh, uh washing her face off and stuff, and eventually there's a, a blue butterfly, and as she's in a photography class and an aspiring photographer, she whips out her camera, takes a picture of the thing, and in the position of the bathroom she's in, she's actually at a good angle to hide from anybody who else, is, like, enters the bathroom, and it just so happens that a boy comes in, and it's his name's Nathan Prescott, and he's just like a fucking lunatic. He's like all like freaking out. He's like, "Oh, Nathan, you own this town. You you could blow the school up if you wanted." And like he's just acting really fucking weird. And I'm like, "And you're in the girls' bathroom. What the fuck is going on here?" And then next, the person to enter is Chloe, uh, your your old best friend. We don't know that really... yet, though. Yes, you haven't actually interacted with her. So, and I guess yeah, from your vantage point, you wouldn't know that that's her. But you hear this altercation go down with oh this person owes me money over drugs or like there's all sorts of like stuff going on it's just like some serious drama and you're like oh wow this person's got some issues and then eventually here this guy pulls out a gun she's like what are you doing with that thing and like he's like oh no one would even miss your ass or whatever so and he fucking shoots the girl in the girl's bathroom. And you're, it, it was just like, I was like, what the fuck just happens? And that is the moment w- when Max like put out her hand and was like, no. And she realizes she can rewind time and she takes back time in order to uh, set off the fire alarm to stop the, the guy from even shooting her. So, and that was actually kind of, it took me a while to figure out the mechanics of the game at that point to be like, oh, I have to stop this from happening. I swear to God, she got shot like 30 times until I was like, oh, fire alarm. <laughs> oh, wait, I may have to actually do something to prevent this instead of just watching her endlessly dying. Over well, it was, <laughs> I was, I was trying, but also I kept, I don't know. I was just having issues with the rewind mechanic. 
that's one thing I want to get out. Maybe front. you just like it's, really didn't like her, and you were like, "I just want to see this bitch die repeatedly." No, that was my <laughs> that was definitely my girlfriend, not me. But we'll I'll tell you about her opinion eventually too. But with the rewind, you hold down Control key on the keyboard, which is usually an odd one to pick, um, and then you can speed th- through it by holding down Shift, or no, you hold down right click, right? Well, I was using a controller, so but oh. yes, I it played it on even, the Xbox, so I couldn't tell oh. you. Uh, I thought it was only on PC. Nope. Oh no, it's on everything. Okay, so controls don't matter. But I thought it was weird how like you could only go- rewind to certain points. You couldn't exactly. stop in the middle, and that kind of bothered me because I didn't know when I was supposed to stop, and I didn't want to have to go through all those scenes over and over and over again when I rewound. There are not a lot of things in that game that I have to complain about. That is the most frustrating thing in the entire game to me. Yeah, oh, I agree. I well. I'll just say it now. There's one mechanic where you can time travel through pictures. We've already said it was spoilers. Um, yeah. But you can go back in time through looking at pictures. And you have to... There's like two axes. Oh, how does this work on the, the computer? Because it's, it's the sticks on a controller. So that's yeah, like it's fine. It's simple. Literally took me until the very last one to realize what I was doing. The rest of the time, I was just guessing. And <laughs> on one of them... It's like, hit the space bar to auto-correct the blur. I was like, oh, is that it? I suck so much. You're just giving it to me. Just hey, give me handouts because <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, but you had to use the A and D key as like one access to like do like the blurring of one side. And then the right and left click on the mouse. What the oh, fuck? Oh, that sounds terrible. Like, <laughs> that it sounds horrifying. Yeah, it's I didn't it's know- fine on the controller. Trust me. That's not a yeah. problem. But I didn't know you had to manage. I didn't know you had to do it together. I thought it was A and D or left or right clicking. And then it took me until the last one to realize it was a combination of both. And I was just like, oh my god. That would have been so much easier. That is bullshit. That is ridiculous. On the controller, it's literally just both analog sticks. You you rotate them in alternate directions. And then eventually it'll focus. But the funny thing is my girlfriend was having issues with it too. And instead, you know how you said it's popped up and said, oh, use space bar to autofocus. Mm-hmm. It's, it came up on the screen and basically showed her which way to point the analog sticks to be like, this is it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, let me hold your hand and walk you through this puzzle. It's like, yeah, I know. See, I'm dumb. I didn't even know there was an autofocus function because I'm not terrible at video games. You guys. Oh, yeah, no, oh, I didn't, oh, I, I, I didn't have this. a problem. And it was also because <laughs> I guess with a controller, a fuck using, I would have never figured out the AAD left click, whatever. Fuck all that. I mean, it tells you, like it says at the top. I just didn't see that. In conjunction. Button. Yeah. I didn't see it like, and, uh, ma- the mouse and the A and D buttons. I thought it was or. Gotcha. So that might just be on me for not reading it right. It happens, but okay. So. The game, you, you just fucking saved your, your friend and, okay, someone else take over. Well, can I just say, are we gonna go through every single scene? Cause this is gonna be like a five hour long podcast. Yeah, this is gonna take we do not- goddamn ever. Let's, let's no. pull out the highlights and not everything. I think we should Good just point. hit the points and say our opinions on them, like, how we feel. Right. So, so what's, what's the big, is that, what's the big, uh, this is the end of episode one moment. Cause I'm a little hazy on episode one. I played that right uh, when it came out. Yeah, it's what? I think three months between each episode, roughly. So yeah, it's big. It's been chunks. a while. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to recall. I, I remember episode two ends with the whole Kate on the roof situation. Is it finding out that the storm is coming in a week that she realizes it's not a dream that it's actually going to happen? It's the you could hide the truth or report Nathan. I think, or is that no? No, that's like in the that's a pretty You're early right. on. You're right because you tell the principal and he's like, Nah, he's good. And it's like you drunk bastard. 
I hate that principle. He's so terrible. I, I felt bad because he was genuinely a good character. He was just in a bad position, as opposed to plenty of other characters in this game who were just terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that was the be- uh, that was the end of episode one is realizing the storm is going to happen in a week, which, you know, once again, this whole story takes place in a week. Like, at, when I finally beat the game and there's like, you know, last week when I didn't know you, I was just like, whoa. I forgot about this. Oh, it's with the snow. It's like the weird weather pattern oh. and stuff, and she realizes yeah, that's that it. something's going on. Yeah. Thank you. That is it. Okay. All right. So, so episode one's really slow for me, and yeah. I attribute that to. I. I mean, it's fascinating. There's so much to explore, and so many people to talk to, and so much to see that like you don't see it all in your first playthrough, and. I attribute the fact that it's really slow to this is a really unique world that requires a lot of world building. And episode one's kind of getting that stuff out of the way so that you can get into the meat and bones of the story. Definitely. No, it makes sense. You need the, it needed a calm introductory, like get used to these mechanics and understand how the story is going to be told. Sorry, I just found a list of all the choices in the game and it just so many. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I yeah. wonder how much like choices you make early have a bearing on how the game ends, if at all. Well, that's the thing with these games that have consequences of your actions that carry over in between episodes, like all the Telltale games. And uh, Mass Effect's the one that really noticed, brought it out for me. They did it in between the actual um, individual games and the sequels. But it's all a trick. It's all a sleight of hand, like a magic trick of how much you're actually in control, which is how much they force upon you because mm-hmm. you'll make a decision like uh, you see David, the security guard at the school bullying one of the students. It's like, let me intervene and you know stop him from being a jerk. And he ends up being mad at you. And when you try to report him later, you have no proof that he yelled at you versus let me take a picture of this. So I have proof in the future. And then the student comes and yells at you for saying like, Hey, why didn't you do anything? So it kind of forces your hand in certain ways of mm-hmm. which you can actually do it. Um, but it, it just like it makes me wonder like did did everybody have at the beginning of episode five was Victoria in the dark room with you guys or were you alone? Oh shit, I was alone. You were alone? Really? Yeah. She was in it what? with me. Okay, so this is great to illustrate what I was about to say. Then Victoria was in the dark room with me at the beginning of episode five. Let's say this: uh, Did she take your warning at the end of episode four? Yes. She did with me as well. Did she? She take did your- not take my. That's the go. difference. That's that's the difference. Okay, because if she's in the dark room with you, there's absolutely no way to prevent Jefferson from killing her. And I wanted to know if something in an earlier episode. What the that fuck? Outcome. Yeah, Jefferson yeah. kills her. Oh, yeah. dude, I didn't. In my entire both playthroughs, I she never died. It's one of those times where you come back from the past and you come back into the dark room and you're just like, oh, where's Victoria? It's like. Maybe she got away. Maybe Jefferson didn't Jefferson get said Jefferson's that he like, let her go. He, he's like, oh, yeah, I let her go. It's like, oh, it's like, she's gone. I got rid of her. It's like, oh, like, he realized he just killed her. It's like, damn it. So wow. I, I think by warning Victoria, you actually ensue her death in that timeline. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that that's, that's what that's ass. what's really cool to me. It feels like some of your decisions actually matter towards the outcome of the story. And I mean, not like like the huge outcome is still whether you choose this or this with the last decision, but like the final state of the game seems like it's in a huge state of flux, depending on what you do throughout the game. Definitely. I'm glad that could illustrate that. Um, 
But okay, so let's go. I, I let's just talk about the important stuff, uh, episode by episode. So we know the end of episode one went. It ends with like snow coming down, and she has this feeling that something's fucked up and everything's not right. Episodes two starts, and I guess this is where episode the two sto- is the whole Kate story. Kate, exactly. I was just gonna say the whole thing with Kate. So mm-hmm. let's talk about her as a character. Even in episode one, you see that she's pretty distraught over something, and I guess even on maybe on the mirrors at that point, you saw. Uh, the website pointing to a video that these, uh, bitchy people, Victoria and her bitchy friends had created a video that was really embarrassing Kate of her being drunk at a party, but she was basically like on all sorts of drugs that she, and she's not that kind of person, but I don't know. Do you want to take over? Well, she's a very wholesome, uh, religious girl, very, uh, religious upbringing. So she wouldn't even be at that party. And then the one time she decides to go, is what she gets drugged, um, by who we find out later and taken advantage of. We don't know what de- to what degree she gets taken advantage of, but enough that it's very disheartening to her and everyone she knows and her whole family. And these girls just spread the, they spread it around, make it viral. So everyone sees it and starts making fun of her and bullying her. The, the video is her being like sloppy and fucked up at the party, right? And making yeah. out with a bunch of people. Yeah. Like with, with guys and it really, puts a wedge between her and her family to the point where you go into her room, I, I think maybe in episode three, actually, but you see a note from her aunt saying, like, you're a slut and a disgrace to this family, and we're, you know, I'm trying to convince your mom to disown you and just, like, really horrible things. Yeah, I remember that one, and I was like, holy fucking shit. Although not not something that, like, would be that weird for a fundamental Christian family to do in the real world. No, not for a very, like, uptight family. Um, but right away, did you guys kill your plant? And if so, when? Uh, I think it took an episode or two, but I tried to keep that bugger alive. I literally do recall, like, every time I saw the option, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna water that. But, but then one of these days, it just, it just didn't last. Well, you can overwater it. <laughs> oh, well, I, that was probably my problem. So. I think you're supposed to wa- water it every other episode, so like one, three, and five. I love, Damn, I, love I did one and two. I love the differences that are coming out in the way that we played the game, because my, resp- <laughs> my response was going to be, I, I had a plant. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of the game, when it shows you all your options, like, hey, you let the blue jay survive. I'm like, what blue jay? I never saw one. <laughs> no, that's when you open the window. If you open the window, that means the bird gets out. But there was like a bird in every episode, or uh, at least the first three. Yeah. And I only uh, saw it in one. True. I don't know. There was definitely, uh, in episode sp- five specifically, when you had the option to save all these people, there was all those, uh, decisions I saw at the end that it was like, oh, you, fr- you could have saved this person. And all of the people I could have saved, I didn't save except Alyssa. I, I, I don't, I'm really glad I saved her. I saved Alyssa and the fisherman. Oh, dude, you, how did you save the fisherman? I was like, I was just in a bind for time. I'm like, fuck this. I'm just trying to get to the goddamn <laughs> I whale. I saved everyone. Get oh, look at the Messiah over here. Yeah, I know. God. Fucking resurrection of Christ. La but, I, but the funny thing is, I know the end decision of his, so, but, alright, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I saved them all for, so, so that they could be taken out in one fell swoop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll just say with the fisherman, I had trouble with two. You have to actually kill him, go into that room, then rewind time so you're in there when he's alive and then help I him sat out. for 20 minutes trying to figure that out. It took me a while, yeah. It, it was um, it was once I realized that there was a hole in that window, and I was like, I can probably throw this switch from inside the room. Mm-hmm. That's when yep. I figured it out. Yeah, but that that's when it kind of became a problem with me with like some of the games. 
there's some elements that were really well and it made it feel really realistic like a its own environment and wasn't very video gamey like big arrows pointing me to the next you know mission but then there's times like that where it's like i i kind of wish i you know it was more visible those people that needed my help or like the homeless woman in the back of the diner like i wish i knew to talk to her but you know i was uh set for time i only had so much time and i couldn't wander around before the game forced me to the next checkpoint mm-hmm. i think that's it's specifically designed though for the completionist you mm-hmm. know what i mean i think like not everyone is intended on to like get every single thing so that's why they have like such a variety of options yeah the only person that's going to do everything is the person who goes okay i'm in a new area i'm going to explore everything before i do the thing that moves me on it's well, almost as if they're like testing it. Well, that's what I do, but the thing I would like the thing that moves me on wouldn't always be so obvious at times, so I'd accidentally move ahead without tr- meaning to. Wow. Yeah, that that happened to me a couple of times. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so to to get back on track, basically episode 2 is the whole Kate thing and she's distraught over this video that they're posting on the internet and the big climax of the episode um, you're sitting in Jefferson's class and someone runs in and tells everybody to come outside really quick. So everybody in the class gets up and runs outside and there's a huge crowd of people standing in the courtyard and Kate is standing up on top of the school getting ready to jump. And <clears throat> it, you have like, uh, you're having like time headaches or whatever. So like your power is not working as well as it could be. So like, yeah, you're getting nosebleeds and such. So, like, as you stand there, she jumps and kills herself. And you rewind time and try to run over, but she jumps and kills herself again. And you rewind time and you start to get nosebleeds and headaches and shit. And the best you can do is sort of hold time still until you can get up on the roof. And then your power gives out and you basically have to talk her down while you know that you're not going to be able to rewind it again. Which makes it really intense. That was ultra intense. That was when the game got super real. Because like I, at that point, it was like, yeah, I enjoyed episode one, and it was an interesting game. But that's when the game got like, I'm invested in this character, and I don't want this person to commit suicide, and it be my fault. What happened with you guys initially? She jumped. <laughs> she jumped for me, and it was devastating. And I literally, I think I was, I'm a decent gamer. I was playing my cards really, <laughs> really well. And I think what happened was it was just one final straw that broke the camel's back. But what, how'd it go for you guys? Well, she, she asked a question, and the question that makes or breaks whether or not she jumps, she says, um, it's not really a question, but she says, I don't really have anything to live for. And then all of the options for what you can say are like, think of your mother, think of your father, think of your brother, think of your sister. And I was like, oh shit, I don't know anything about this person. So I picked mm-hmm. one at random and it happened to be the right one. Oh, you lucky uh, okay. bastard. Because I I played it after you, Doug. I, I was able to see all of your results before I finished the game. <laughs> so I saw that you failed and I got very happy to know that I saved her. Um, when you go into her room, and like I was saying, where you find the note from her aunt, you can look around more and see a picture of her family. And you see, I think, one with her and just her parents, but then you see one of her and just her sisters. And you can ask her a few questions about it. And that's what I liked about this game is there's choices you have to make in the conversation at that moment that only apply to like what you're talking about right then. And then there's stuff like seeds that you had to have planted long ago and gathered information way ahead of time 
to then use in this current situation. So that's one of the things if, you know, if you're not like here, you can't just randomly get the right answer. You would, <laughs> you would have had to have found that picture of her and her sisters. And that's why I explored everything I could. And that's not the only moment in the game like that either. Like, no, that, that was very apparent with like the stuff with Madsen and the whole investigation part of the game. So that was like, you had to do a lot of investigating, but anyway, so, so did she jump for you, Kier? No, I saved her. Holy shit. So you're the murderer, Doug. Congrats. I know. God damn it. <laughs> but now, no, now I were mean, you a good gamer and you pressed on and didn't go back to a previous save and save her just because you felt like you needed to? No, I pressed on. I was like, Attaboy. that bitch is dead. But no. <laughs> but listen, though. But listen, though. I'm sure. thinking to myself at the end of that episode, I was like, for anyone who did save her, like, how's that going to – she has to die, doesn't she? Or like it did the – like for the beginning of season, uh, of episode three, we I thought we'd all have to start on the same page. I guess not. Uh, she's in the hospital for, I think, episode three, and then episode four, she comes back to Blackwell, I believe. She, wow. She, she can play, like, a relatively large part on the outcome of things, too, right? Like, she, she oh, yeah. doesn't have, when she comes back, it's not like, oh, Kate's just wandering around the campus now and has two or three talking options when you talk to her. No, she impacts the story because she's there. That's mm. so cool. And she's probably, like, super grateful of you influencing her uh, decision to live. Yeah, you get a lot of text messages. Oh, real quick. There is a, like, sort of psychedelic, mind-altering, like, trippy moment in the last episode. The, the text? Did you guys, yeah, did you check the text on oh your phone? Oh, my God. Pompadour. The- Pompadour text. <laughs> Pompadour, the dog who's like, and I'm hungry or something. What the hell was that? It was, uh, we'll stay get away from to Frank. it when we get to episode five. Uh, yeah, good uh, point. Sure, we, yeah. we should save that. But no, it, you do get a text from Pompadour. But you guys don't even know who Pompadour is. If uh, Maybe you do. It's the dog that's Frank's. But well, anyway. I'm assuming if you're listening to this much, you've already played the game or you don't care about spoilers. Good point. Good point. Pompadou yeah. is a drug dealer's dog. That's all you need to know right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so in episode three, Kate's gone. Like she's off Blackwell ground, so you won't see the character walking around. You do or go she's visit dead, her, don't you? Or she's dead. Uh, yeah, you go to visit her in a hospital, and it depends on whether or not you go to hang out with Chloe right away, or if you answer Kate's phone call, or whether or not like you go to see her in the hospital, or I think. Because I know. Chloe goes with you to visit Kate, but she stays outside the room. So episode three for me is where shit gets really crazy. Yeah, it's a lot more like drama involved where you learn more about Chloe and her relationship with Frank and how she owes her him all sorts of money. Like I think it was like five thousand dollars and some other stuff going down with like you Madsen is looking he's been traipsing around campus uh like oh you should should pause for two seconds and explain um a what madsen is who madsen is what why what he's looking for because we do know that at this point and we haven't said a fucking word about rachel amber yet and that's really important (laughs) wow you're absolutely right we're like a half hour into this goddamn discussion um okay so david madsen is chloe's stepfather so let that sink in and he's also an ex uh he's a veteran who's kind of has like some sort of PTSD. He like uses his service as an excuse for like him, like having a bad temper, but regardless, he's the security guard at Blackwell and he's been investigating like drug sales regard, uh, involving Nathan and other stuff going down. And he's also been basically taking pictures and spying on Kate 
Kate because he saw the video, I guess, and he was all like, she wouldn't do that. And he was interested in trying to play detective or some shit. And I guess he was also involved with the Ra- Ra- Rachel Amber case as well. well he was- knowing, knowing what I know now, because we, we know he was trying to figure out what happened to Rachel Amber, who's this girl yeah, he was- who went missing. So I feel like he was so interested in what was going on with Kate because he was worried that whoever did that to her might have been the same person who's responsible for Rachel's disappearance. Definitely. See, that makes perfect sense. I think he was going after Kate because he thought Kate was part Hot of the crowd. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Considering some of the other characters we met, let's not. <laughs> I was totally um, kidding. Uh, but I think he thought she was part of that group and she was like a regular partier because he's harassing her constantly. If he was, you know, that concerned about her, I don't think he would have been that brash and aggressive with her. Like he's yelling at her in what, episode one? Oh, yeah, very true. Well, I mean, he's very concerned about Chloe all the time, and he hits her. So, I mean, he's yeah. not, he doesn't show concern the way that normal oh, people do. Oh, I'm true. glad you brought that up. So, speaking of that, we kind of bla- uh, blazed over this uh, first episode, too. But did you blame Chloe for the pot, or did you take uh, responsibility? Uh, God, I forget, actually. I think I hid in the closet. Yeah, I never came out. Yeah, me too, actually. Damn it, we all did that. <laughs> I'm like a homosexual in the 40s. I never came out. <laughs> all right, well, we could continue. So I guess the whole thing is he's been doing this investigation since before he even started playing the game, and Rachel Amber's missing, and Rachel Amber was Chloe's best friend while you were out of the picture. And he's Chloe's stepfather. We should mention that, too. I did say that, but oh, it's... he. Yeah, but like you said, he hits her and stuff. That's not cool at all. No. But it, it is it is to do with the PTSD, so it's not as bad as if he didn't have issues. Sure. But yeah. even still, it's like such a sad excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is a like one-time moment. It's not a reoccurring thing. He doesn't have a history of it, so it's... Yeah, it, it but, seems like but, it's but that something it, that happened in a high-tension situation. But that's what makes it harder to like try and like fight against him, where it's just like, fuck him, he's the evil guy. Like, you know, divorce him right away, cut him off, and all this stuff. And it's like, but it's just this... One time where it just got too loose and like yeah, it's, Chloe it's was like he really has, he has a legitimate was really issue. agitating him. He has a legitimate uh, psychiatric issue. Chloe mm-hmm. was being really confrontational and egging him on, and mm-hmm. it was a one-time thing. And he really doesn't seem like a bad guy. No, we we find out that he is, and I knew from the beginning just. Because of how the story is going to work, I knew the story want- was trying to make us hate him. So exactly, that, so that he exactly could come back and redeem himself later. Basically, yeah, yeah. So him and Jefferson, I weren't surprised by their character arcs, but it still was most of the story. I wasn't surprised by just from how much time travel stuff I've read, but I still in- very much enjoyed the way they told it. Yeah, but would you go as far to say that it was cliche? Because I know a lot of people are going that far, and I disagree. Yeah. <sighs> I could see how that's argued because I was talking to a friend of mine who really couldn't care less about it. And I said, take a guess how it ends. And he knew exactly how it finally <laughs> ends. And I was just like, yeah, it's not, it's kind of like Avatar, the James Cameron movie. And people are comparing it like, oh, it's just Pocahontas or Romeo and Juliet or Dances with Wolves. It's like, yes, this is a story we've heard thousands of times. Yeah, that, it's that just story being told you're in talking a different about, way. That story you're talking about is one of seven stories that exist like and I, it's just being repeated in if, different if you formats. break if you break it down every story is like one of seven stories exactly yeah so i think it's just the way they tell it and i think life is strange as a time traveling story goes they tell it in a very 
unique way where it's just a girl in high school versus Doctor Who or Back to the Future, like where it's a very sci-fi alien thing. Mm-hmm. So I do very much enjoy the story, even if it isn't, you know, the first time I've ever heard it. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. All I'm right, glad so. I got that input. Mm-hmm. So episode three. Yeah. Did you guys steal the money or leave it? It was for a handicap, like Olympics or something. Where the hell did uh, this come from? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. When you, Clearly you the most the- riveting part of episode three, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you break into the principal's office to, what is it? Steal Nathan's file? Yeah, and get information, I guess. I, th- I think you also look at Rachel Amber's file and your own file. Yeah, and, and stuff. Chloe's and everybody's. Yeah. Um, Which Chloe was expelled, so she's no longer there. Yeah. Uh, but in the um, principal's no, office. This is episode four that you're talking about. You don't break, you don't break into the school until episode four. Okay. Interesting. I thought this episode, was episode three. Episode three is, um, dealing with the aftermath of the Kate situation. Mm-hmm. And then going back in time and trying to save William. Oh, oh, this that, is. I thought that was episode four. No, that, that is episode, episode four. Nope, that's episode three. Because the cliffhanger oh, at the end of episode three is the one where oh, you change the yeah, reality, right. and then episode yeah. four yeah, is when you find okay. out that it's Jefferson. Good mm-hmm. point. Okay, you're absolutely correct. But there's another important one in. I don't know if it was two or three at this point. But did you guys end up kissing Chloe? Yes. Me yes. too. Without a doubt. Okay, good. I never I need to add something to the challenge. Or girl on girl. Yeah, no. Right. It was funny. Her, her reaction was basically like, damn, like, Warren better be into girl on girl action or something. And I was yeah. like, Jesus. It was, right, that's it was one some, thing. It was something like, you're, you're intense or something like, I can't remember what she said. You're hardcore. Hardcore. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, and by the way, listener, Warren is the, the male love interest, but not even really. It's like, it's interesting. See, I, I hated Warren. He was just, in my opinion, not a good or interesting character at all. No, he, uh, especially towards the end, it was funny when my, I've watched my girlfriend's playthrough, uh, there's like in episode five, a moment where you really have like a deep conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And he just was going off for like five minutes being just like the most overly nice person being like, Max, you're the most impressive person I've ever met. Like, I love your warm like, voice. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> But I swear to God, he was going so hard. And after that happened, I turned to my girlfriend and said, he was so annoying because he was just basically being what every girl wants a guy to say at that moment. It was as if like a girl wrote the script and he just acted it out. Like he would, no dude in that situation would ever act like that. But I appreciate they were going for like the soft, tender, loving, like gentle kind of guy. But regardless, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, Max, I like at the end. You're the only one I'd ever want to go ape with. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It's so weird. In that context, it's going to see the Planet of the Apes movie, so it's not... I'm so glad that got brought up. But yeah. But I like at the end of the episode five, you see the results of the Warren interaction, and you could have A kissed him and made him the you know male romantic option. Uh B hugged him, which I did, because you're about to die and you just confessed everything. Yeah, that's what a normal him. human being does in that situation. Yeah. The hug or C no physical contact at all which i love that that was an option and i love how many people actually chose it <laughs> that's amazing actually. in the results it was i'm going to say at least over a third a third of them all right before Dude, before we continue with the story two questions hold on i have to say one more thing about that though for my playthrough i had all three options and i kissed him um hey, yo, even though I, I i kissed chloe so i was just like i'll just kiss everyone <laughs> <laughs> you then, slut 
I know I am. I got a, a text message from my aunt, but no. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, my girlfriend, when she played the game, she must have fucked up her options or something. She didn't even have the option to kiss them, and she wanted to, and I was like, that sucks. So, Well, that's the thing. It gives you, those are all the options that are possible, but if you mess it up earlier in other episodes, they might just take options away completely, so mm-hmm. you'll never even get that chance. Exactly. I see. So, mm-hmm. So I have two questions before we get back to the story. The first one is, do you guys agree with me that it would have added to the story if it was possible for Chloe to also be a romantic option and you end up with her at the end? Well, I think I personally think there kind of was that option. It's just. But but it, it's, con- it's never really more than friends. It's never a romantic thing. It I, I think the one ending leaves it where that could be a possibility. But it's like that's up for the mind to like decide. Right. I, 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 think, I think if it was drawn out a little more and you could choose between her and Warren in that regard, it it would have added to it. If that option was I agree. There. I know. I definitely think they could have uh, kind of embellished on that, that. The fact that they even set it up like that, they could have made it more apparent that it's like you're going to pick one or the other. But it, it really didn't I mean, pan out like I that. I mean, I get... I guess the choice between Arcadia Bay and her is kind of that choice, but I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I guess I was a little disappointed when that seed was planted with the whole kissing scene early on, and my brain was like, "Oh, this is going to be an option down the road," then, and it never happened. Yeah, I, I hear you, but also it's it's funny because uh, we just have to. Wait, I'll save it for the end. Continue. <laughs> well, I like that it wasn't as apparent of like you know, choose him or choose her. Like, you know, this love interest or that, like in a Bioware game where it's like, who you want to fuck today? Like, (laughs) cause like, in anyone who's played like Dragon Age or Mass Effect, it's like, you know, your whole party is capable of voting. Every time. Yes. (laughs) Oh God. It's great. Um, but I like that, that it wasn't so apparent where it wasn't like, you know, this is who you're going to fall in love with. And because it takes place in a week, you know, something had trapped, uh, catastrophic is going to happen at the end so it's kind of like this is the end game you only got the week so it's like who you're going to fall in love with and grow old with when you're 85 it's not super important because the story's going to end after you know november whatever mm-hmm. yeah all right well let's continue with the story so the the big thing at the end of episode three is the how about somebody else explain it because it it, it it was straight up traumatized all right so so <laughs> Chloe has a stepfather. We know this because not because her parents are divorced, but because her father died in a car accident when she and Max were really young, like ten ish. Is that a rough approximation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. That's like, a fair I think, guess. Yeah, um, definitely preteen. But anyways, um, her mother was out, and William needed to go and pick her up, and he left and got in an accident and died. Um, at the end of the episode, it's the first time we realized that. We can use photographs to travel back. I think they have to be photographs of a place that Max was, though. Every time we see it, we go to somewhere that Max was present when the photograph was taken. I don't know that that's the case specifically, but every time that it's used, that's what happened. Yes. Well, well, the powers kind of relate to, like, Stein's Gate, the visual novel sort of uh, anime, if anyone's seen it, of it's not... Max going back and she's a 18 year old girl standing next to her 10 year old self. Her consciousness is going back. And so she is for her to go then, yeah, she, yeah, she is her 10 year old self. So for her to go back, she would have been there already or else it would have just been like her consciousness floating around mm-hmm. in nothing. 
But anyway, she finds a picture that's from the day that William died. So at the end of the episode, you use the picture to go back in time and your 10 year old Max on the day that he dies and you have to hide his car keys so that he can't find them and leave the house. God, that son of a bitch had to have the clicker on the car keys. I know. It made it so much harder. It was so hard. The sink. You had to do the sink. So it yeah, work. I was going to say, you oh, throw it in the sink. I threw it outside. Oh. Oh, interesting. So you can open the that works. That's cool. Yeah, you can open the sliding glass door and just huck them. Uh, I just, Holy I just, shit. I just put it in the sink and it short-circuited the the clicker. Hmm. Me too. Yeah. But um. anyways, so you successfully keep him from leaving the house and you go back to well, well the thing is every time you alter like destiny so to speak like you have this like cutscene of the photos, uh yeah yes of basically polaroid photographs changing from what was set in place in time the the actions that were in place to now what has has become right, of right, what, think, the way you altered reality i think i can explain this so yes. like it'll it'll show you when you go back in time through a photograph the first time it will show you a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not collage. Um, oh, uh, uh what's that word? It's like montage. Montage. There we go. All right. It will show you a montage of a few Polaroids that like summarize important events in the story that have happened in the main timeline. And then once you've done whatever you do in the past and you go back, it'll flip through those Polaroids again. Some of them will stay the same. Some of them will vanish and be replaced by a new event that happened yes. based on what you did in the past. I will say this because it threw me off for a second uh, when I was playing. It's not Polaroids that Max has actually taken, that someone has actually taken the picture. It's just the way to con like to convey what events happened. Right. Yeah, so, it's just representing yeah, history. They're not physical pictures that Ma- Max has taken at some point because there's somewhere I'm like, Max wasn't there. How'd she get that picture? Uh, so, yeah. But basically, to summarize... Through uh, saving William's life, that set off a chain reaction that resulted in Chloe getting in a car accident later in life, and she is paralyzed and dying, and basically in a hospital bed in her in her parents' house. And mm-hmm. you you wander into this situation. It's the first time she's seen you because you haven't. Apparently, you're a bitch. Also, in this universe, you're like hanging out with Victoria and her friends, and they like you. The Vortex Club. Yeah, and you. you yeah, that you that actually, took me off guard. You haven't actually gone to see Chloe at all since you've been back. This is the first time she's spoken to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hang out, and she has a really nice day, and then she tells you that it's basically inevitable that she's dying, and she asks you to give her an overdose of morphine and kill her. And it is, at that point, it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in a video game. Like, I can't, I can't convey through words how much this story makes you give a shit about the characters, but I felt like I was making this decision about a real person. The controller fell out of my hand. I just, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was just like, what the fuck? And I was thinking to myself as, like, my mind was racing. I was thinking, I've, Never, ever in my deepest, wildest dreams would have expected I'd be faced with this decision in real life. But, but the fact that I was faced with it in any reality in this video game, it just was shocking. It literally took me... I don't, uh, I don't like, think it matters uh, that it's not a real decision, because it feels like it is in the moment. Oh, it did. It, yeah, and honestly, I... 
I remember when I first played episode one, I was whatever about the game. I'm like, sure, this is great. I'm looking forward to the rest. But by episode two with the whole Kate incident and by the end of episode three and the whole mind fuck with, oh, now Chloe's paralyzed. I was really sucked in. Like this game is designed to get you emotionally invested in these characters. As long as you're the kind of gamer that actually cares about the characters. If you're just going to play it just to play it, then this isn't the game for you because it requires being emotionally invested. Otherwise, it's it, it you don't get the same outcome. So, mm-hmm. what did you I've guys seen, do? I'll say I've seen playthroughs of people like I was I, w- I didn't watch the whole playthrough of uh, the series, but I'll just cut to like big moments like this and watched. I watched a few of them. A lot of people could not physically do it. Like they they would hover over the overdose like button and then they would slide back to not uh, killing her. It was do? very interesting to watch people not physically being able to do it. What, well, what here's, do? yeah, here's what my mindset was. She, the way she came to the conclusion, she was like, look, I am dying. I, this is one of my like last requests. I just had the best day of my life with you because you, you went and walked around with her. You watched the movie. You laughed together. You, you saw gave a bunch her, of dead whales on the beach. Well, yeah, you gave her, uh, honestly, a, a nice send-off, whereas what you can expect her other send-off wouldn't be so nice. And her, her, her the way she requests it, if you're a good friend, there's no way you don't uh, acquiesce. And I did. And it was heartbreaking and tough, but I did it for her because it, it was what she ultimately wanted. And it was like, and if she could do it, if she could get up and do it right now, you bet your fucking ass she would have done it already. I disagree with your reasoning. All right, Ooh. what's up? Um, this version of Chloe is unaware that we have magic time powers and can potentially fix everything. <laughs> well, that's y- what I mean. The, I, uh, well, I'll stop you right there. They bring it up multiple times in the game, uh, Chaos Theory. Also, another name is the butterfly effect, which is yeah. exactly what's happening. She went back, changed the past, and now we changed the future. For your argument, Kier, you're saying that in this scenario where she's paralyzed, we could just simply go back to before she was in the car accident, stop her from going in the car, and then fast forward and everything would be fine. But then who's to say Joyce wouldn't be dead or that da- uh, that William wouldn't be paralyzed? My, my mindset was always stopping myself from saving William because that's what fucked everything up in the first place. But like in the uh, scenario, in that timeline where Chloe's paralyzed, would Max's powers really be any benefit? Because yeah. if she went back before the accident, she'd just be fucking something else up. Yeah, good point. It's just like, you already just had the major fuck up at that point. It's like, what do you do for this Chloe in this reality? It's basically, do you want her to die happy or die miserable? Because at that, like, seriously. So here's the question. If that's an alternate reality, and we've just changed the the reality that our version of Max winds up in by not killing her and going back into the past and stopping ourselves from saving William and essentially resetting ourselves to the reality that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Have we have we made that whole reality never happen? Or have we abandoned Chloe to a slow and painful death in that reality and we're just in our nice, happier reality now? I think it's the latter, uh, as fucked up as it is. Yeah, without the um, consciousness of Max from the first reality going into the second, if she never did that, that Max arguably might never have her powers and would never, definitely wouldn't have gone to see Chloe again. Mm-hmm. So she would have been left to, you know, die slowly, as they said. I mean, we we don't know enough about how time works in this universe to know that that's what happens, but. 
the possibility that, that would be is really, my guess. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. The what, what leads me to believe this is in episode five, we brought up the Pompadour text. I got a text from Chloe's mom saying, Max, we have surveillance video of you overdosing Chloe. We, Whoa. I, I, no, no matter what reality you are in, I'm coming to find you. What? I never what? got that. I swear to God. Because I, I overdosed her as well. I never got wow. that. I got that. Um, so wait, you, I might gonna, have actually gotten that. You're gonna find, <laughs> you're gonna find this is a common theme throughout the rest of this discussion. But I just could not bring myself to willingly murder Chloe. I couldn't do it. <laughs> to quote Doug earlier in the podcast, that bitch is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, the, well, I'll only bring up my girlfriend one last time for this. But every time Chloe died, she was basically like, "Good." I was like, are you kidding me? But by the end of the game, the final time, she was she was crying and she she felt bad all along. And I was like, yeah, but it was just so funny because she's like, she was always annoyed by her saying hella and just her attitude and like this punk rock bitch. She was just like, whatever, I don't care about this girl. She dies, whatever. And me being like the polar opposite, being like, God, I need to keep her alive. I care about this character. Look, I, I don't know. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Mortal Kombat, so I don't know if you're going to get this reference or not. But Chloe dies in this game more times than Johnny Cage. <laughs> I mean, at least Johnny Cage has the daughter. <laughs> Seriously, Eventually. though, in, in the Mortal Kombat storyline, Johnny Cage dies and is resurrected like by the times? Elder Gods like four or five times. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, more times than a DBZ character. Yeah. <laughs> to go, what, Goku's dead? Cool. Like, he'll be back. He'll be, he'll be <laughs> back in five episodes. After after Frieza and Piccolo get done shouting at each other for four. <laughs> uh, this is off topic a bit, um, but I sent you a link, Doug, to a little sh- very short film about time travel. And it's basically a guy going up to a girl at a park bench and just hitting on her. And every time he messes up, he hits this button and it just jumps him back a minute to like undo what he just did. <laughs> and when he's flirting with her, she has a quantum physics book. And he's like, oh, you got a book there. I know books. And she's like, oh, you know quantum physics? He's like, shit. And hits the button and reads the, tries to read the book, uh, before she can, you know, find out he doesn't know anything. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I can't believe time travel. Like, that'd be such a cool concept, but it'd be terrifying. He's like, terrifying? Why? And she's like, oh, didn't you read it? He's like, yeah, summarize it for me. And she's like, well, the idea is that you're not going back in the past. You're just creating another alternate timeline. And the previous timeline version of you is dead while your consciousness is going to the next body. And then it just does a super cut montage of just like 14 dead bodies slumped on the bench of like falling on top of the girl like that he was hitting on. And it's just like, oh, God, what? I just killed myself like 14 times. That is ridiculous. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. You're, you know, you killed yourself 14 times to hit on me. Like, that's adorable. He's like, I can't have sex now. What are you trying to do? She's like, shit. And she hits the button and just like starts a loop of them hitting the button for each other. Um, Nice. But it's a it's an interesting idea for time travel because it's well it's all theoretical so it could be anything. Yeah, I just realistically don't think it's possible. But let's let's kind of keep going because we we're getting pretty long here. But oh, yeah. the uh the idea is I I ended up overdosing Chloe and you start you you end up back in the regular reality with Chloe the punk rocker that you want you knew and love. And you guys are investigating the Rachel Amber disappearance still at this point. And this is episode four, right? Yes. So let, let's think here. How 
you guys have collected ev- evidence throughout the entire course of the game, uh, whether it's from the, the principal's office or David Madsen's, uh, he had all sorts of stuff in his garage and stuff that he's been collecting. And you, I guess some of it, you, as you play the game, it depends on it, whether you find it or not, but you can put together all this stuff on, uh, what is it like card? Like, what is that called? Oh, the big, uh, the bold, big board and board. Yes. A big bulletin board where you c- put all the photos and, uh, data and information oh, you've cl- such, collected all together. Cool scene. I love that. I really thoroughly enjoyed the whole like detective feel. And I felt like I was really deducing like how to figure this all out. I actually got a pen and paper and was like, let's figure this out. I, I did really enjoy it. It was interesting. I haven't seen it too often, but when it got to unlocking Nathan's phone with the combination, Oh, I want to break my keyboard in half. Cause I, you find a note with Nathan's like with a bunch of numbers Nathan wrote on it. It's like, Oh, maybe it's one of these. And it's just the psychotic scribblings of a lunatic. And there's like 40 numbers. And she's like, Oh, there's just too many. I'm sorry. Oh, that dude, and it was compare num- to regaining consciousness in a bathroom stall covered in numbers. Oh, oh, that does compare because both of those were literally super easy. The one, his was his birthday. Yeah, the, so I tried to the bathroom scene was so easy, but like as soon yeah. as I saw it, I was like, fuck, I'm going to be doing this forever. <laughs> I immediately looked in the mirror because I knew there was some sort of reflection trick. <laughs> uh, but I tried his birthday and it didn't work for me. I'm pretty sure that's what it was for me. Maybe I could be wrong. Hmm. I th- it was definitely a date. Yeah. It wasn't his birthday, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. But regardless, so mm-hmm. you, you've basically put all the pieces together. You have all this, uh, information of when Frank sold drugs to Nathan and you, uh, you eventually determine that the, that there's something fishy underneath the, the farmhouse, I guess, or the barn, uh, and that, that belongs to the Prescotts. Yeah. So you guys go investigate and you're in a barn. You, you, end up finding a secret trap door that leads to this place called the dark room. Does someone want to take over? Jersey, uh, silence of the lambs. It's pretty much that. Oh, the, oh. <laughs> the dark room is so fucked up. Like as soon as we walked in there, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It was like straight creep mode. You're just like, this is not cool. Like this is whoever funded. This is sick. Well, it's like every, well, every time I think that that game, isn't going to be able to surprise me. It pulls out something like that, and I'm just like, what the fuck? No, this isn't a thing. You guys got to watch more Law & Order SVU. <laughs> uh, but one thing that will surprise me is like how clean... It's all very high-tech. You can tell it's all very new, and it kind of was more unsettling to me by how clean and clinical it was. It wasn't Buffalo Bill like in a cave like with you know people's skin flayed on the walls or something like crazy. Like It was just very clean, like a doctor's office. Yeah, high tech, like almost uh minimalist, yeah, like showing, modern. Showing that the person who did it is in control. It's so out of place though, because this room is beneath a rundown barn out in the country, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's obviously the structure is worth millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a nuclear fallout, like place to go take creepy pictures yeah yeah and there's that's exactly what it is yeah there's a there's a <laughs> photo there's a photo shoot set up there's like a comfy couch a couch yeah that was the creepiest part about it was just the couch i was like uh and then a bunch of folders full of girls unconscious yes chained up tied up girls so and at this point you know 
Uh, well, no, no. This at this Nathan. point you don't know anything. Yeah, you think it's Nathan. I, I, I was totally sold at this point. I'm like, it's Nathan. He's a sick motherfucker. It's it, you. You see, like that. There's notes that the Prescotts are the people who funded it. So it's like furthering your belief that yes, this is Nathan and his parents are bo- even know about his sick like desires. I, I knew Nathan was involved clearly with the Prescotts and everything. This is the point where I, I have to ask if Bren thought that it was Jefferson at this point. This is when I started thinking Jefferson because I th- knew Nathan was too unhinged. It would have been a mess. There would have been like blood or ink or something smeared on the walls and like painted on the walls if it was Nathan. Like he's unhinged. He's not just a hormonal teenager who's, you know, done ecstasy once or twice. Like he is mentally ill, like genetically. So I knew it was too clean and you know, sterile of an environment for Nathan to have done it by himself. What made? Yeah, that's a reasonable observation, really. Yeah, I, I definitely I knew, agree. What made you think it was Jefferson, though? I always had a hunch with Jefferson, just like I said from the very beginning. He just came off a little too creepy. I didn't necessarily piece it together. Like, I bet it's Jefferson. Like, let's go hunt him down. Um, but when it is revealed, it's him. I wasn't surprised. Hmm. I'll say that I, I wasn't able to piece it together and like find proof to like definitively catch him. But I wasn't surprised when I found out it was him. Okay, this is all I have to say about this. The whole game, there was so much foreshadowing. Everyone was pointing at it like Madsen was suspicious, but the way they set up Madsen, it was like, oh, he's suspicious of everyone, so you can't really take that advice. But Mm -hmm. even like the janitor, I think someone said, like, tips you off, like, yeah, Jefferson's a weirdo. I'm like, well, but the the janitor's a weirdo. I really wish, like, there's more to pay off with him because I liked him and he was definitely going to be that, like, Kind of odd, creepy guy, but was knew so what was happening. Cool. He, like, talked to squirrels and shit. Like, yeah, yeah he, I wish he paid off more in the later episodes. I think I got a text from him, too, be like, the squirrels are mad at you or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you can save a squirrel or something, something like that, where you can save an animal and you don't, he'll text you. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But... But I guess, I don't know. I, I didn't personally didn't see the, the Jefferson thing coming until he shot Chloe between the fucking eyes. Like that was ridiculous. Which is the end of episode four, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Boom. Um, Chloe's dead again. In the dark dark room, you find pictures of Rachel as one of the girls that was tied up and abused or so we think at that point in time. Well, we also find a bunch of pictures of different girls that we don't know, but then Rachel's the first one we can recognize. Right, but uh, Rachel, finding Rachel is the catalyzing event that makes the next thing happen, because we see mm-hmm. we see a picture of Nathan with Rachel in the junkyard, and Max, who's way smarter than this, by the way, says, yeah. why is he putting her in the ground? Oh god, Sorry. that was a little bit of bad and, voice, not voice acting, but bad uh, dialogue. But at, yeah. at that point, like I'm just like, oh fuck, no, mm-hmm. no. And then they they race there, and Gail figure exactly like Chloe knew exactly where to start digging, and it's like she still seems like shocked by like what she, like you're not gonna find her alive and well like under the ground. Well, but like you might hope that because it's been well, no, I think they've said it's been weeks, like. Yeah. It's been long. I think they were but, hoping you know, to find nothing. Or like yeah. that or like some kind of clue to like point them to something else. But. Yeah, she was trying to be as optimistic as she could facing the death of her one of her best friends and or lovers. Like, so. But, but they your, found decaying in that body. situation. Like you have to go and find out, right? Oh yeah. You can't just be like, I know exactly where that spot is, but 
I'm going to leave it because I probably don't want to see that. No, but nobody. But I think I personally, I would just be like, I need to get the police involved. But that's regardless. That would it wouldn't make the story flow. So <laughs> I I would get the police involved after I confirmed that there was a body there. But like I would immediately sure. rush over there and try to confirm for myself. Okay, that makes sense. I I think that's fair. Well, I was wondering because I've seen so much Law and Order SVU that if you did tip the cops off to like, hey, I hear there's a fallout shelter with clues to a bunch of murders, like, could that be enough credible evidence for them to legally stop them? Or is it just, you know, would they start pressing you for information of how you found it? And then it'd be like, well, she was breaking and entering. So this information's, you know, we can't use it in court. Um, That's why we told David. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you had to text David later. But yeah, there's a few scenarios where you do see cops raiding the you know, dark room and stuff. Yes. But anyways, so we rush to the junkyard. We dig up Rachel's body. Chloe loses her shit because of course she does. And then we storm off back to, to be like, Oh, Nathan's gonna die. And like, we're on like this death mission to be like, we got to kill Nathan or whatever. But in the process, we get a text from him saying, Oh, I just got rid of all the evidence uh, of like the Rachel thing. And there's Mm -mm. like a picture. Mm -mm. Oh no. Mm -mm. What's going on? Well, we had to like storm that party, I guess, too. Yeah, the school. That that oh, happened. Was... That happened before we went to the dark room. I think. No, you go to the dark room, then you find Rachel's body, then you go to the party because that's where. That's you what I'm Nathan saying. Because yeah, you want to kill his ass. I'm telling. Yeah. And when you're leaving the party, you get the text. Exactly. Or, yeah. Um. But I'll say this. Uh. With Rachel Amber, I understand why it was such a big component in Frank's life. Uh. While she was a big component in Chloe's life. And even while David Matson was looking into her because she's missing, I thought it was very weird and very uncomfortable how much everyone in the town loved her, specifically all the students at Blackwell. Everyone seemed obsessed with her. It was well, real unsettling. And she was also hooking up with Jefferson all along. She was he hooking just, up with everybody. Jefferson, yeah. Not Frank, only Chloe. was she hooking up with Jefferson, she was fine with what he was doing to her. Yeah. That explains a little bit about her mental stability. But, like, I don't... It, it was just so odd that everyone seemed to adore her. Like, even, I think, Joyce says, like, oh, Rachel Amber? Oh, she was great. Like, uh, you know, I hope she's okay. It's like, what do you, I, what do you have to do I with this? I think there was a reason well, for that. I think, mm-hmm. I think it was used as a plot device to make Max feel terrible for abandoning Chloe. And then, in her absence, Chloe found this amazing person that filled that spot in her life and she didn't really need max while rachel was there well i understand that and that's why i said i understand why it's for chloe for david for jefferson for frank for those key characters that need that involvement but like uh daniel costa like loved uh rachel uh i understand why nathan was obsessed with, but like every other student seemed to be obsessed with rachel and like maybe not all of them needed to be yeah, I was like, who the fuck is Daniel? Well, okay, also, <laughs> He's the kid that sketches. Okay, gotcha. Also, like, that's that's not that weird, given how the real world is. Because, like, okay, so, random, terrible deviation. But uh, <laughs> when I was 14, one of my best friends died of a rare type of cancer. In so We were in ninth grade, right? You would not believe the amount of people who came out of the woodwork and were best friends with him and couldn't believe that something like this happened to one of their friends, even though they never hung out with him when he was alive. So it could be a manifestation of something like that. Oh, yeah, I guess the whole, like, because she's missing, people are saying this now. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's a good good analogy. Mm -hmm. Also, did anyone else else think Daniel Costa was Asian? 
Yes. yes. Until I saw his last name, I swore he was Asian. <laughs> well, what, and the whole thing with Brooke, I felt like I just wanted her and Warren to work out because I'm like, I don't give a shit about Warren. I'm going with Chloe. Exactly. That's why I was forcing it like so hard. I was just like, just uh, go uh, with Brooke, you nerd. Bear, bear in mind, <laughs> bear in mind, in, in the real life situation that I described and in the in-game situation that seems to mirror it a little bit, I don't blame any of the people who are doing that. It seems to me like that's a, a, a direct result of... Um, being confronted with your own mortality so early and taking something like that really personally because people don't usually have to go through that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a coping yeah. mechanism that we've seen even with uh, Victoria, mm-hmm. uh, whether she does die in Doug's scenario because he's a murderer or like our scenario <laughs> where she lives. Um, you see Taylor and Victoria and a few other people saying like, oh man, we were, you know, we were such good friends. We were all just kidding around. It's like, no, you were the worst bullies I've ever seen to her. Like, <laughs> um, and also for Taylor, um, did you guys find out about her mom? No. Did you care? No. I think it's when you're looking around for clues at some point, like about trying to get in Victoria's room or something. You can talk to her and actually find out that her mom's sick and has gone into the hospital. And I can pay off, you know, in a few episodes later and really help you out. Like, I wasn't able to get into the Vortex Club party until I found Taylor and said, like, hey, can I get in? She's like, yeah, you helped me out with my mom issues. Like, sure, come on. Oh, in. I just sneak in through the back. Yeah, I was able to sneak in with her help. Yeah, I went through the back as well. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I did I did not have a good time with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those moments that, like, fleshed out that character a little more for me and made it, you know, not just... uh bitchy sidekick a and bitchy sidekick b like it gave yeah. her it gave her history and depth nice i see so, what you mean so anyway uh real quick summation of the end of episode four um yes so we're at the vortex club party nathan's nowhere to be found we get a text from nathan that says um he knows everything that we did he's disposing of the evidence right now and we rush back to where rachel's body was why in fuck's name would you rush back? It's like, oh, I, I'm doing this. Like, I don't think going there is like the smartest move. No. And you, you, you as a player have no control over this. It's just like a plot moving. So it, it just sucked. Cause to me, I'm like, as soon as that happened, it's like, call the police, do something else. Don't do what you're just about to do. Right. Like, That's what, what do I mean they hope the to game accomplish? Forcing that? your hands. What do they hope to accomplish? Nothing. They're, they're well, just fucking up. And it was that they were driven by emotion. Well, Chloe had the gun and she planned on killing him. So mm. if anything, they might not be able to stop him, but they'd at least be able to kill put, him. There. Put Nathan yeah, out she of did want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go, they go there and I can't remember. Is the body gone? No. But, no, it isn't. It was completely exactly right, where so, it was. And it's so like, the body's not gone. He, um, Chloe whips around because she hears something behind her and points the gun at Mr. Jefferson, who's standing behind her. Which is weird. Meanwhile, you've been syringed because he he drugged you, and that oh, yeah, basically yeah. Uh, got rid of your you. So you're like out of which condition. you're yeah you're unable to use your rewind ability. So you watch uh, Chloe slowly like look out like all like drugged up, and then she turns around, gets blasted Pop. in the fucking face, and it is heart. That was my heart to sunk clarify, into my stomach with, at that with point. With a gun, she gets shot in the forehead with a gun by Jefferson. Yes, mm-hmm. it it didn't upset me that much because in this game I've already seen Chloe die like five times. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I understand I mean, anything the impact that I of can't it, but... rewind in the moment upsets me terribly because I'm like, this is forever yes. now. 
Yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. I was like, fuck. And, and and at that point, uh, playing these games episodically, I had to wait months for episode five. I didn't know if Chloe was going to make it in the end. That moment was the first Which, thing that made well. me think <laughs> that that moment was the first thing that made me think maybe Chloe doesn't make it out of this alive. That's what I was thinking. I thought that multiple times throughout the game, but. And technically you're right. Oh God. All right. Let's <laughs> seriously, we not, do not have to wrap this up. Universe, I yeah, we're already over an hour. We I know. It. Let's let's do episode five as quickly as we can, but also give it justice. Ah oh, man. Okay. Not, not so not it for this one. Jesus. I'll, I'll gotcha. try and speed run this. Um, you wake up in the dark room, and Jefferson's just doing the villain monologuing, where he's just revealing his plan. Um, and when you wake up, you realize you don't have any previous memories. And then uh, he's going over to his computer to look at the photos, and you see a photo he took on like the floor or on a tray nearby. So you go back through time through that photo and you're, it was a very uncomfortable moment where you're seeing Max and she's conscious now of when she's tied up and drugged and he's taking pictures and he's screaming at her and like hitting her and moving her around and trying to get these, you know, ang- really close angles and shots. And it's very unsettling. Um, and then you snap back to reality and she's duct taped to the chair and trying to go back as much as she can with these pictures she sees. Um, eventually you ruin some of his pictures and are able to catch him off guard. And, uh, is it that point David sneaks down? No, yes. no, 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 no. No, David doesn't sneak down for a while because, um, you ha- there's the whole thing with San Francisco. Remember? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So you can go back further in time and, uh, like call him out early and get him arrested, submit your uh, picture for the uh, Everyday Hero contest, you end up winning, go to San Francisco with the principal, everything seems to be working out great. Everything's coming up roses. Yeah, so that was an interesting little scene. I have to say, like, did you talk to everybody in the room? It was actually really annoying how they didn't actually acknowledge you. They, like, talked to, like, the pictures and they wouldn't even turn to you. Or, like, if they, you didn't have the opportunity to say anything back, they're like, oh, I'm just going to put you on this magazine. Like, I'll email you. And it's like, holy shit. That's one of the situations where I accidentally progressed the story sooner than I Same wanted to. Same here. But, but, um, it, yes. well, you didn't miss anything. That's what I'm trying to say. It was no. actually every interaction was awkward. But yeah, every time I talked to someone, they had mannequin syndrome where they just, they weren't even looking at you. You could see the mouth moving with each word they were saying, but yes. the, the model itself never moved. It was awkward. And that's one of the complaints I have of the game. It can be very stiff and mannequin esque. I think that whole uh, part of the game was a little rushed, but whatever. That's regardless. The whole thing felt Mm -hmm. like a dream, though. Like it wasn't real when you were in San Francisco. True. I think the whole going back in time, they were trying to portray that. It was kind of supposed to be like this is the dream of what the best case scenario could be. Um, but then while you're there at the museum, you get a call from Chloe saying, like, hey, remember that storm you had that vision of? It's (laughs) happening right now. Everyone's dead. Yes, yeah, so, there's an F6 tornado like in the background. Mm-hmm. So Max has to go back in time again. She rips and up at the point, everyday heroes photo. That's the thing she does to change it. Yes. Yeah. So she doesn't submit the profi- uh, picture, um, and her powers are really starting to wreak havoc on her body. She's really having trouble now, um, and she wakes up back in the dark room again in the same spot because but uh, now when, when Jefferson went through her uh, her diary diary. He came across the Everyday Heroes photo ripped up, and it pissed him off so much that he burnt the diary, which meant she never could have gotten the picture that she used in the first place to go back and change everything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now she doesn't have a way of getting out of it. 
And this is when Jefferson just decides he's done with her and is going to kill her once and for all. And this is the moment where you can uh, wait the game a little longer and you see uh, David Madsen come down and he tries to sneak him on Jefferson. Jefferson gets him and ends up killing him. So you rewind time really quickly and try to think of a way to distract Jefferson so he doesn't see or hear uh, Madsen coming down. Um, I personally told him to crank up the music, but that didn't work. I think you had to get a drink of water. Yeah, that one was the the right choice. Yeah, I turned he, off he the lights. The, that didn't work. He moved the cart close enough to you that while they were fighting, you could kick the cart into Jefferson. That's yes, right, exactly. Um, and then there's a few different moments in there where you have to keep, you have to distract uh, Jefferson. So like they're fighting, he goes to reach for a gun. In mine, he pulled it and shot Madsen. I rerouted really quick. Um, and I pulled on one of the lights and broke it to distract him so Madison could punch him in the face and knock him out. Yep. Um, and then it's at this moment you can tell him, you can tell David all about what's been going on and what happened to Chloe. And this is when I confessed to him. I said, Hey, hate to tell you this, but Chloe's dead. This guy killed Chloe. I said the same. I couldn't keep it from him. Yeah. I, especially s- after I said he just it. Saved and then I saw that he shot Jefferson because of it. And I was like, this could have bad consequences later. I should rewind and not tell him. So that's what I did. I knew he would. I knew if I told him this guy just killed your stepdaughter that you were trying to get back together with, I knew he was going to kill him. And that's why I told him I want yeah. Jefferson dead. I wanted Jefferson dead too. And I knew with his background of PTSD and like his emotional, like, yeah, he would definitely kill him. And Jefferson fucking deserved it. We all know that. I was really concerned. And I thought as I left, you would hear another gunshot. And I was really like, I was like, that would be very upsetting for me <laughs> if uh, Madsen turned it off. Oh, himself. God. Yeah. Because at that point, he lost, you know, Oh my Chloe, you know he's going to lose choice. I wish that the story did that now, just because that's that's so terrible. But it's su- it would be such a great piece of story writing if that happened. Mm-hmm. That ran through my head actually. Now you bring it up, that's interesting. Um, so after this, you tell Matson and you run off to uh, find Warren because you realize he has a picture of you and Chloe from earlier that night at the party, and you realize you can go back in time to that moment with that picture. So you race through the city. That's being destroyed by the tornado. Um, this is the moment we were talking about where you could save a bunch of people if you saw them. But apparently me and Doug didn't see anybody except for Alyssa and the fisherman. Yeah, and I do have to say, I'm glad I saved Alyssa every single time. Because after you do that, she saves you one time. And then she says, well, I guess now we're even. To be, fa- was, to be, to be fair, all the times you save Alyssa are like being hit, pushed into the pool or getting toilet paper thrown in her head. Yeah. When she saves you, when she saves you, it's your life. So it's like, it's a little fair. Okay. Good point. <laughs> um, so yeah, you find Warren, you run into Frank and Joyce at the diner where they're uh, taking cover from the storm. You can talk with them. Uh, and at this point I told Joyce to get back together with David after everything that happened, you can convince her to do that or not. Right. Cause you, you can tell her that, uh, you can tell her that David saved your life and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you talk with Warren, and this is where you can you get very emotional. You can talk, uh, you can hug him, kiss him. He do believes nothing. everything at face value when you tell him about your time travel abilities because I don't know. Max, I just want to go ape with you. <laughs> Look, I don't, he, I don't little... give. I don't care if you can rewind time. I don't care if you're a man in a gorilla suit. I just want to go ape with you. <laughs> <laughs> he he worships Max a little I, too much. Well, yeah, at all, it's, it's like, too much. It's like I don't know. He just 
it doesn't matter what Max does or says. He's just obsessed with her. It's yeah. really weird. This, that's yeah, why I is. didn't like Warren. Um, so then you get that picture. You go back to the night of the party. And this is when you have a big emotional talk with Chloe, like you do in every episode. Um, but this is where I was able to convince her of everything that just happened and like all the scenarios I just went through. And it's a really know, uncomfortable and- scene, too, because you have to to get her to listen to you. You have to tell her what Jefferson did to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everything he did to everyone else and Amber or Rachel Amber and all that. Um, so it's another one of those really tricky conversations. We should also we mention that Nathan's right dead. Choice. Uh, yeah, you find out Jefferson just kills Nathan, like, off screen. Like, you don't even see him again. Because which, he's the reason Rachel died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out Jefferson doesn't kill Rachel. It turned out Nathan did, trying to copy Jefferson. Yeah, he overdosed her by accident, is mm-hmm. how that happened. And it's funny, because later you get some kind of closure by him leaving you a voicemail of him being like, Oh, uh, I was used by everyone, and oh, Jefferson's coming for me, and he's gonna hurt you next. And then that's like the last thing you hear from him. Yeah, I was disappointed that you don't ever see him again in any scenario, like even at the very end. Like it's just that's the last you ever hear of a period. The, the yeah, voicemail no, was pretty, he actually had a sad outcome. I, I liked the voicemail though. Like that was a nice touch. It was I, funny. My girlfriend was just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I was like, I kinda agree. I would just have liked to have seen something like, you know, the character one more time, but I agree, yeah. Um so yeah, you go back in time and it's at this moment where you go to the lighthouse, I believe, with Chloe. Well, and yeah, no, 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 no. Well, try to face the storm. You, you've convinced Chloe at this point to go back to her house with you, and in a few minutes, you're not going to know uh, any let of the what, cops take down Jefferson. Yeah, you're not going to know any of what just happened in a few minutes because you're not going to be Max from the future anymore. So she yes. has to keep you there until you come back, basically. But that doesn't happen because yes. when you go back to the when you go back to the future, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Had Back to get to 1985. <laughs> um, but no, you have this terrible dream sequence. Oh god, it was well. It was well, no, no, no. Really the dream annoying. sequence doesn't happen yet. First, you appear on the beach with oh, Chloe, yeah. and you're standing there looking at the cyclone. And the first thought in my mind is, "This is not our bedroom, you stupid bitch!" Like, this is not what well, you said we first, were going to do. My first thought was like, "We have to stop the storm." It's like, I got an idea. Let's stand in front of it. It's like, no, what, no. <laughs> Like, let's go look powers. at it You're on not... the beach. Yeah, it's the worst place to be. Yeah. Um. So, when you're at the beach, you have another. You know, episode five is just the heartfelt episode, like where you're just conversations with everyone. It's just super intense, and you have to navigate that tricky dialogue. Um. So you're talking with Chloe, and at some point, you just black out. I forget why. I think you try to use your powers one well, more time. She, or... she suggests that you go up to the lighthouse. Because it's out of the path mm-hmm. of the tornado, and you can figure out what you're going to do once you get there, but at least you'll be safe. And mm-hmm. once they start this is once you- they start moving, it's when Max realizes the strain that all of the ridiculous amount of time powers she's been using this episode has taken on her. And she like starts to stumble, and then Chloe's like, oh, I've got you. I'm never going to leave you again. And she like puts her arm around you and starts to help you walk, and then you black out. Mm-hmm. And in reality, Chloe drags you up to the lighthouse. But in the meantime, Max is having this crazy dream sequence. And it's really annoying. And I hate it. The sneaking around, avoiding what? the No, no, this is the best dream no, that was sequence the worst. I've ever seen in it, anything, though. It was, no, like, it was well done. It was well done. But the, like, the gameplay mechanics of like walking around very slowly, even the sprinting function was slow. Everybody was and so just, like, creepy, though. Even like Warren was creepy. 
All right, well, let's start off with the beginning of this dream sequence. You're in, you're back in the Jefferson's classroom, and all of a sudden, these birds are flying against oh, the yeah. window, like causing this bloody mess. And then that ceases, and you look out the window, and there's just dead birds for the eye can see to the horizon. And then you're about to leave the classroom, which is empty of people, and then Jefferson's there, and you're just like, "What the fuck? He just appeared out of nowhere." And your only options to talk oh, to him yeah. are really like they're like talk about forcing you to say something you don't want to say every option was it's really like, weird number one of them was like i love you mr jefferson one of them was like oh i hated chloe anyway or like mm-hmm. something weird like that so uh, m- me and my girlfriend both when we were faced with that were like i don't even know what to say there was one that kind of was like it, it would made sense to be like it was like neutral it was, it was it was like i hated my everyday hero photo or something it was about yeah. the everyday hero. So it was like, this is the least creepy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he still managed to make it creepy. He's yes. like, Oh, but that's Jefferson for you. Yeah. Um, but then there's a whole bunch, like, then it just starts tripping into different scenes and it's just cut back and forth. Um, you pl- you replay the beginning sequence of walking in the hallway to the girl's bathroom, but everything's reversed. Even, it was so cool. That was by far the my favorite aspect scene. of the game. The dark room yeah. scene. So cool. Oh, that was. That was awful because you got to see like alternate perspectives of how these characters could uh they they could be. It was awful. It's like you're mm-hmm. you're sitting strapped um, in the chair in the dark room and like it's like Chloe deciding each character in the game in sequence. So you rotate character to character to character, but it's Chloe choosing everybody over you. Mhm. Mhm. And I know this is why I think that it was kind of a uh, romance option with Chloe is because with most of the characters, male or female, Max is seeing Chloe hooking up and like making out with all these other characters as opposed to the, her just being like, yeah, I hate Max. We're best friends now. It wasn't best friends. It was we're lovers now. And let's just do it right here in front of her. Like, which makes me so want th- that option even more because you can see that like that's the worst case scenario for Max. It's not her being friends yeah. with somebody. It's her loving somebody else. But that's that's what I'm saying. I think this is the option of, you know, choosing her over Arcadia Bay. Like, she is the romance option. I'm saying it is in the game. I, I agree. I think I it think, leaves it up what? to the imagination. Now that, I, now that I think about how it ends, you're, you're right. But we'll Yeah, they just we'll hold hands. And it's just, it's, okay, <laughs> we really, we, let's get there quick, yeah. too. Okay, uh, so fast forward. Try, like, five minutes, if so. Yeah, just crazy dream sequence. Um, you run through all the memories you've had of Chloe through the whole game. Um, um, real oh, real quick, tough. just one aside before we jump for, further ahead. Um, Chloe dancing in a bra in the dark room in front of you? What? Yeah. Yeah, when it cut to the dark room, like, mind sequence, and I saw Max, like, in a t-shirt and her underwear taped to the chair, I immediately got uncomfortable. It's just like, I, no, I don't want this. I don't, I don't know, like, where does it go? Cause I thought it was gonna be Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was worried about that too, but it was no, Victoria and Chloe hooking up, Warren and Chloe hooking up. It was just weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you have to sneak through the mind sequence and avoid everyone with flashlights. That annoyed me because of how many there were and how slow it was. But I realized you could use your uh, rewind powers during it, and it makes it a lot easier. But it took but me a while f- to realize that. Finding the bottles was the biggest pain in the ass. What happens if you find the bottles? Because I didn't do it. I never... What bottles? What? I, I, <laughs> that it was I literally... Thing. Like, there's, there's a space to put bottles right near the lighthouse at the end of that sneaking around sequence. And I found one of yes. them, and I placed the bottle there. And Max is like, oh, great finding bottles again this is gonna take forever and i was like fuck that i'm going to the the lighthouse 
oh my god, you guys are such assholes. I for some reason I thought you had to find all the bombs, <laughs> and you don't. I hope but nothing that's what happened. I mean. And I hope nothing <laughs> happened. You literally take a picture. You take a. I think I got an achievement. Yeah. But you take a picture of the bottles and they all break. I, and that's that's it. I but no, never the, the worst thing one. about it is Bren's complaining like, oh, I hated the whole uh, part with like sneaking around in the flashlights. Getting the bottles was that times ten. Okay, it's awful. Yeah, I didn't know there was like finding stuff in there. Th- that would have been much oh, worse. It was <laughs> terrible. Um. Uh. So yeah, you get to the lighthouse eventually. You sit down on the bench, and that's when you come back to reality where you and Chloe nope, are you're back in the, snow in the lighthouse. Globe. Uh. Yeah, you're on the snow globe, and the snow globe's on the fireplace of Chloe's house back when you're ten. And you see Dave, or you see William finding his keys again, and you see a big version of you outside. You get all the phone messages. And it's very interesting. And that's yeah. like in that version of you knew you were letting him die. Yeah, you were like locking eyes with yourself, and you're like both aware that like this has to happen. Um, it was very interesting. That whole dream sequence was very good. It just at times was slow. Mostly the hiding thing was annoying, but the rest was great. Yes. Um, so you come back to on at the lighthouse with Chloe, and the storm's going, and this is when you have the big like decision-making choice in the big conversation like the final moment chloe kind of admits like hey you're going through all this trouble to save me every time like you're saying i've died multiple times a day and you had to go back and save me it's like maybe i'm supposed to die maybe this is destiny saying like hey let her die and everything else will what work. was the picture that because she handed you then what where was that from that was the butterfly in the bathroom the the bathroom that oh. it, it was like the moment before you even uh the whole point of that was she wanted the, you the first Nathan time you ever her. that's what it was yes yeah. exactly the first time you ever used the reverse time ability was that moment so if you just go back to that time and don't do that everything's uh avoided because this is going back to the butterfly effect of every single time max went back in time it made the storm bigger and bigger by the way the picture is a so, butterfly so how fucking shoved down your throat symbolic is that? Yeah. That's that's what I mean by with the dough and everything Max wears has like a dough on it or somewhere nearby. Um, one of her shirts has a big moth on it, and it's just like th- the symbolism's really just kind of forced down your throat. At least with the animal analogies. Um, but you know, like I said, very minor complaint over the rest yeah. of the game. Agreed. So Chloe knows this. You know this. You have to decide: save Chloe or save Arcadia Bay. And one thing I have to bring up about that decision right before at the end of episode, when you had your whole moment with Warren, as you walk into the diner during this, the end of the dream sequence, there's everyone from Arcadia Bay basically telling you, like, please don't kill me. And at, at that point in the game, I didn't understand. I'm like, why are they telling me this? And then it, like, all the gears clicked in my head when I was, uh, like, I had that decision, like, save Arcadia Bay. I'm like, this is why they were all saying don't kill me because I determine their fate right now. Mm-hmm. I will say this. During the storm, when you're going to the diner to find Warren, uh, I went back behind the diner and you see the homeless woman you could talk to earlier crushed underneath the car and dead. And I genuinely, like, she was one of the characters I felt the worst for. <laughs> she wasn't there yeah, for me you, because I talked to her earlier and you just see her spot and Max goes, Oh, I'm glad she's not here. She must have gotten out. Yeah, I wasn't able to talk her out of moving. And I, yeah, felt, she, oh, I felt she so was bad. dead for me. So don't worry. <laughs> well, so was Kate. So so was everybody. <laughs> look, look. Um, so yeah, what all including all Chloe is it is possible to be as great as me and save everyone. Oh, only God. to only oh, to Jesus. die in a horrible time tornado later. But still, yeah. Okay. So final choice: save Arcadia Bay, save Chloe. What'd you guys pick? I I saved I saved Arcadia Bay because I couldn't live with the 
the moral, like just the, the thought of killing all of those people, especially the way Chloe prefaced it. She was like, look, she came to the conclusion. She was like, I want to accept this fate. It's our fate. You're the only person who can come to this decision. I don't think that all these people's lives are more important than my own. She basically put it out there like that. And I'd already killed her once. And she did make a lot of sense by saying this all happened because of me and you trying to save my dumb ass. And although like as much as I love her, I think she was speaking pure sense to me and I, I couldn't not do it. And that ending as horrendously sad as it was it was beautiful and it i think it was the right choice So what what happened in that ending because i've never seen it okay i i i just witnessed the other one today so i'll explain what happened in my ending so you come to this turns you it, it's really a sad like emotional moment and you just kiss chloe like full on like hard and long and you go back in time to the time and you basically have no control it's just a, a little cutscene kind of fast forwarded to just show like the the effect of that scene happening and you not intervening at all and you just see as you hear the gunshot go off you see like tears falling to the floor from where max is hiding and you just see chloe bleed out you see nathan standing there like frantically like pacing back and forth and then this music starts to play and it is the most depressing music you will ever hear as this like montage of like uh, the, the picture montage happens again. And what, after that occurs, you basically encounter the funeral for F- Chloe and everyone else is alive and well, but the funeral scene was literally, I, I was like almost sobbing. It was so goddamn hard to put up with. And just the way it was delivered, it was a goddamn masterpiece, such an incredible work of art. But speaking of symbolism, the way that whole ending uh, concluded was on Chloe's grave, the blue, f- uh, butterfly landed. Wow. And it kind of like made, uh, Max kind of smile. Cause uh, one of the last things that Chloe ever said to her was like, no matter what reality I'll be in, uh, uh, we'll always be together or like, I'll always remember you. And I think that symbolism was representing that Chloe was still with her. While Max is still wearing, uh, dough. <laughs> sure. Yeah. They really forced it down. So I said, uh, yeah, but I, I was straight so up I crying. Said, Fuck yeah. Arcadia Bay. Let me just, uh, make a note here. Both me and Doug killed Chloe when she was in the wheelchair. Kier didn't. Both me and Doug saved Arcadia Bay. Kier didn't. Yeah. So who's the real sick person now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. The characterization <laughs> in this is so good. And it, like, it felt, in the moment while I was playing the game, it felt like I was by by saving the town, I would be deciding to murder someone that I legitimately cared about. And I'm saying like I legitimately cared about her. That's how well of a character or how well written this character was. That like never happens to me with stories. So that's insane, first of all. But like mm-hmm. I was I'll just sneak in here. Uh, Mass Effect is the only game where I've actually turned off this system while I was playing it because I chose the wrong choice and I wanted to go back and undo it. <laughs> That's the only only RPG I've ever done that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I just I could not bring myself to do it. And uh, Doug, you were you were saying what what were you saying that Chloe was saying earlier about basic. Like one of the last things she said to you is like, "Oh, in whatever reality, we'll no, no, always no. Be I'm, I'm talking about when she's trying to convince us to sacrifice her. You said she had an argument that made a lot of sense. Yeah, her argument was 
she personally doesn't want her own mom to die in a tornado, and she thinks that there's other people in Arcadia Bay that deserve a better life, and that it that she personally thought that she's willing to sacrifice herself for the safety of all those other people. And there's, in my mind, there is one response, one single response that is a valid counter-argument to that, and that is, but I love you. <laughs> We're just getting back to the two sides of the argument that are both justified, and which is why they're the two it's choices. why it's such a terrible. So it's why it's such a terrible ex- choice for anybody to have to make because there's no exactly. Right that's answer. why it's such an excellent game. But no, Kier, explain your ending, and then we're going to wrap this up. So you take the photo from Chloe and you rip it in half, and essentially, like that. And then that is completely irreversible. Yeah, it seals the timeline. Yeah. You can't. Uh, so you can never go back to that moment. You don't. Act, you don't actually say anything to Chloe. I think when you take the picture from her, she thinks you're going to use it. And you just tear it in half. And then she looks at you and she says, I'll always be with you, no matter what. And then you just stand there and watch the tornado envelop Arcadia Bay. And then there goes to a cutscene a little bit later with uh, you guys driving through the town in her truck and the town's destroyed. And it's just like... uh it's the happy ending, basically. Like everybody's dead, sure, but <laughs> so happy. But but they, it's literally they you chose. Their, they get their happy ending, which is they're together, and it doesn't matter about all the other shit because they have each other, and they essentially drive off into the fucking sunset. Exactly. That's exactly how that ending ends, and they leave the town in the, like the wake of their destruction. Like she chose this person. Their love is so strong that she chose this person over an entire town. I don't know if that's justifiable, but I still think it's beautiful. So regardless of whichever ending you went down, I think the game is pretty much flawless. I love the goddamn game. I don't know what it says about me as a person, because I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but if all of, if that's what I was trying to say morally, if this was a real thing that happened, I would have done the same thing. I I would say ethically, it's definitely not the right thing to do because you've let how many people die for one. Um, but I can understand the reasoning, though yes. I will never let you hold the gun if we're ever in a standoff. In scenario. <laughs> very well. That's a very different that. scenario. <laughs> All right. It, if you're ever in a position of power, I wish you the best in your life but I pray to God you never have <laughs> control over the country's nukes or anything. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, All right. Well, we're now we're, we're really 40. derailing. All yeah. right. So that was a, that was our life is strange episode, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in this I'll, long. If you did, can I just throw in two things real quick? Yeah, let's do that. And then plugs. Okay. Um, the voice actress who played Chloe is Ashley Burke, who to kind of break up the mood plays tiny, tiny Tina in borderlands and is in the YouTube series. Hey, Ash, what you playing? So it's very interesting to see her go from a super comedic, like kind of persona and characters and voices to a really emotional one and very serious one. Um, and then I think the music in this was amazing. Oh yeah. And yeah. I think it, solely because they used, uh, not because of the, well, the songs they picked were great, but because the songs were actual songs and not just instrumentals they made for the game. They were songs that already existed and just having a, I never realized having a song with lyrics in it in a game really changes it like mm-hmm. in Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us and this 
it really sets a tone. Dude, I- I'm so glad yeah. you said that because I went out of my way to learn how to play three or four of the songs from the game on guitar. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome, dude. That's what I mean, though. I have to agree. It, it, the music was what honestly often really stirred the emotions. So there's one thing I wanted to add that I kind of forgot when we were originally talking, um, and that is a lot of people seem to be upset with the fact that you don't learn why Max gets the power to rewind time. To me, that's kind of irrelevant, and like I think it's necessary for them to not explain that, but what do you guys think about it? It's weird because I feel like we've already talked about this, but then I remembered we talked about it before we started recording, and then we were just like, wait, wait, wait. We should record this. And we forgot, <laughs> we forgot to bring it up ever again. Yeah, the story of our podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was explaining him the story of all this since he hasn't played. And I said, I was one of those people. I was like, ah, it doesn't kind of suck that it just she gets powers. And then that's it. They don't really explain it. And he's talking to me. He's like, well, in the context of the story, unless she's in the X-Men where she's a mutant and she just develops powers, <laughs> is there any real explanation that would be satisfying enough that you would want to hear? And I was like, that's a good point. There's no real way they can explain it and still. That's a really good oh, I haven't going. even considered that, but that's a really good point. Yeah. No, yeah, I yeah. agree. Would it be like, oh, she's a mutant or aliens or uh, this power has transverse time and she's the chosen one? It's like, no, those would all suck. It's like, yeah, so they just don't explain it. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a better point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my perspective, like, I, I agree with you. But the reason that I didn't see it as a negative was different. It was like, I I see it the same way as like The Walking Dead. We don't figure out what causes the zombie outbreak in The Walking Dead, but like that, it, it doesn't really fucking matter. It doesn't have an impact on the story. The The main part of the story is there's fucking zombies. How are you going to deal with it? And what kind of people are you going to become in this world? It doesn't matter what caused it. And I kind of feel the same way about Max's powers and Life is Strange, like... Well, whatever reason that she got her powers is totally irrelevant to the story, so I really just don't give a fuck. Yeah, I just disagree with anyone who's, like, hell-bent on, like, wanting to know why. It's like, what? Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said, so we don't have to beat that dead horse. <laughs> I just imagine it's someone who's like, I'm eating sausage for breakfast. I must know how the sausage was made. It's like, well, congrats, you found out. It's a, di- <laughs> it's a disgusting process. It's like, yes, but now I know the truth, and I'll never eat sausage again. It's like, okay, so you just ruined that for yourself. Like, You, you actually just reminded me of something else. Like, um, it's, it, it's kind of like uh, seeing how a magic trick works, right? Like, once you see how a magic trick works, it's not as interesting, because you're like, oh, right, that's that's how they do it. And, like, whatever was enticing and exciting about it has disappeared because you know how it works like i feel like if we knew how she acquired her powers then that would take away some of the mystery of the story which i think is a good thing exactly and this isn't like a scientific development or like a medical process where we're like we must know every step of it so we can reproduce it and use it for the betterment it's like no this is a video game it's a form of entertainment just enjoy it don't you know don't try to dissect it Agreed. Yeah, right. that goes to say after we've just had a two-hour-long discussion <laughs> dissecting right, just, a video we game, just discuss- <laughs> we just dissected the shit out of this game. What are you? Yeah, about? Uh, almost better than hypocrisy. Yeah, that's us guys. <laughs> well, I, well, like, I do want to say really quick. Um, after playing through the game like three or four times, I'm really impressed with 
how well the game keeps up its own continuity and continues to play by its own rules without fucking anything up for a game that has time travel is the main storyline plot. Like, yeah. Generally, every story with time travel in it does something where you're like, well, that can't possibly work, or you can't wrap your head around some sort of paradox that the story would create, and it just works because it's the story, and it has to work, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. But Life is Strange makes a lot of sense for the most part. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, time travel is easily the one of the hardest plots that you can ever write around. Because even if it's something like, oh, we have to go back in time and stop this guy before he kills a bunch of people. It's like, well, I don't want to kill him. It's like, oh, so we go back in time and try to change his mind as a child so he won't go that way. Or we go back even further in time and try to convince his mother not to have sex with his father. Like, So you can just keep going a further <laughs> step back and furthermore. Whereas Life is Strange, the problem, the initial problem is Chloe, which is... Max keeps going back to try and fix further and further and further. But then the major problem is that her powers are causing the problem. So it's kind of like it's all or nothing. You either got to use all your powers to save just Chloe or you have to use none of your powers and let her die. Well, to make to make a call back to another podcast on the network, it's kind of like the end of the first season of Almost Better Than Dragons, where like you guys go back in time to stop the zombie outbreak. And then I can't remember if it's Sick Rhymes or Reverend WYSIWYG. But someone's just like, wait a second, we can't go back to the future now, can we? Because we stopped the outbreak, so now the watches that we used to go back in time wouldn't have been created. And AJ just had to be like, um, they exist <laughs> independent of time space. <laughs> I yep. remember that. <laughs> well, I'll even say, like, one of the biggest shows that its main focus is traveling around in space and time. Doctor Who. Uh, the TARDIS is the time... All, t- all right, I'm not even going to try it. The TARDIS is an acronym for, like, the time and space machine. Time and yeah. relative displacement in space. Nerd. There it is. Nice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the whole premise of the show is time travel and flying around in space. And, like, at least four times a season, they just completely override stuff they've already said. Like, oh, we, we can't meddle with history. It's like, you know what? We can go back in time and kill Hitler. And it's like, oh, no, we can't go back to this certain point in time because of, like, weird time physics. And then there's, like, an episode where he's just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going back there anyway. And then, uh... God, because I he doesn't want to have he doesn't want to have too much power. Like, he feels like if he changes certain key things that were supposed to happen, he's meddling with shit that he has no right to fuck with. But that's a whole arc in David Tennant's Doctor Who. Sorry, we're going to divert yes. it a little bit just because it's time travel. Um, but that's a whole arc in David Tennant's Doctor Who where he goes back and saves the, I think, like the you know astronaut who was on Mars from those water creatures. And he right, brings her back to Right, but then he's like Earth. a total asshole for five episodes because he gets a god complex because of all that shit. But then there's also with uh, Matt Smith where uh, I'm mad because they're my favorite companions and I forget their name. Um, uh, Rory, ponds, and, Rory and Amy. Yeah, Amy. Yeah, they go back to like New York and like. They get, oh yeah, the, know, the way that they get like they get attacked they get cut by, off the by the angels and yeah, yeah. The the weeping angels send them back in time, and I think someone says like, "Oh, why can't you just go back to that time period and rescue them again?" He's like, "I can't." The time for all intents and purposes, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. You just yeah, it's like I can't do it. It's like you just did it though. Like we just were there. You've already proven that you can. And he does it multiple times again, where he's like, "We can't go there," and then they do later in the episode. <laughs> so a show that's whole premise is based around time travel just fucking collapses in on itself all the time. 
whereas Life is Strange doesn't. And we're back on topic. Nice. What? Derailed, re-railed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, that, that illustrates my point pretty well. Like, it doesn't matter how good your time travel story is. There's almost always something like that that doesn't make sense because it's just so hard to write a time travel story that ties up all of the loose ends like that. And yeah. Life is Strange that does is a, a remarkable job of not fucking that up. But, okay, guys, it's time for plugs. Uh, Kier, do you want to plug uh, Life in Overdrive? All right, so I'm launching a podcast soon called Life in Overdrive, where I talk to people who have crazy life experiences that are not the norm about their crazy life experiences. And also Doug, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My Twitter handle is at notanotherkier. I do stuff for the Attack crew over at twitchtv.theattack. Um, I'm sure there's something else I can't remember. I write stuff for IGN. Check my stuff out there. I'm I'm just bragging at this point. Someone else go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, plugs. Go for it, Bren. Uh, I'm on Twitter at abts brendan. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm gonna cool. try and get back to the YouTube, but no promises. Uh, we actually have some exciting stuff for YouTube, but we're not going to talk about it right now. But also, guys, if you like the show, please check out our Facebook or Twitter. Our handle's ABT Silence. Same with Twitch. I'm doing uh, streaming every Tuesday, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And other than that, if you have the chance, please give us a rating or review on iTunes. It would help us out uh, tremendously. But that does it for the Life is Spoiled episode. And if you made it this far, God bless it. <laughs> right? Yeah, seriously. I can't believe you listened to us gas on about this game we love so much. But seriously, guys, thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. See you.